1: Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca vs. Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out chasethomaspodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Lana, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate- I already hate it. I hate it.
1: All right, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ. It has been a dreary, dreary week here on uh, Rocky Top. It's rainy, it's cold, but it's amazing. Like I'm on campus every day getting ready to wrap up my last week as a graduate student at the number one school in the nation. (laughs) Um... Tennessee basketball, taking care of business, Tennessee football. When things are going really well at your university, guess what? Your coaches get picked off. People want to take from the premier rising uh, university. You have Dabo on the Orange Bowl press conference being like, we got to score 35. Like this is Tennessee's back. Like this feels like 98. Fulmer, all this, like we're in for a big challenge. And that's from one of the two best coaches in the sport. And it's just... You can lose track um, of all the different things going in Tennessee's direction. You get a tight end coming in from UC Davis. Um, Coach Hawkins has done great work with him. 6'6". Six, six. He played basketball, which is always a great sign for any kind of big tight end. Um, we'll see if the shorter kid comes in. There's not enough room, really, at this point to fit a class that is top 10. Um in the 2023 rankings uh the nil dollars are flowing the portal we have so many people in and out that we just cannot keep track of how many people want to be a tennessee volunteer but the vibes are good uh even if heisman voters try their hardest to keep the vibes down matt green how are you was this a bit are you done what
0: what was this (laughs) what what was what was that what just happened um yeah so now we've got our Rocky Top update. I think we can uh, we can get on to things. Uh, but how are you doing this this lovely evening, sir?
1: I'm good, man. Uh, a lot of vitriol on Twitter.com this week, though, about Hendon uh, Hooker and his Heisman candidacy. Um, Heipel being the good dude that he is, going to bat hard for him. A lot of Tennessee players were upset. Even uh, five-star Nico Iamaliaba coming on campus. He was voicing his support for Hendon Hooker being a Heisman finalist. A lot of people... We're pretty dismayed uh, here about um, Hindenhooker not being a Heisman finalist. And look, I don't think Hindenhooker should have won the Heisman, but there's a couple problems with the Heisman right now. Four quarterbacks in the final four is ridiculous. Like that's, that tells me that this award has lost all of its meaning where it's not the best quarterback award. That is not what this award was ever supposed to be. And the four best players in the country are not all quarterbacks. And a lot of this turned to Stetson versus uh, Hinden Hinden, obviously winning SEC player of the year and the SEC player of the year does not go to New York, but the SEC not player of the year, the walk- best story basically that he wants Stetson the other day where it's like the walk on turn, uh, great player, whatever they call that award. Um, he got that.
0: Uh, the Bullsworth.
1: worth. Yeah. Um, it's great. Um, but look, a lot of takes on Hinden Hooker and, um, Look, a lot of Tennessee fans are upset um, about Hinden not going and Stetson going. I – (laughs) look, this is tough. Stetson has had a great year. Stetson has been um, exceptional in big games. Probably the best thing about Stetson Bennett is the fact that he rises to the occasion and plays his best when he is in the biggest moments. Like, that is a huge, huge, under-overlooked part of Stetson Bennett's game. But a lot of people were like, oh, well, Hooker and what kind of game he had against Georgia when everything was on the line he struggled Georgia shut him down they leave out Stetson obviously struggling against Mizzou Stetson struggling against Kentucky Stetson struggling against Kent State like he had his he had his down game he had a couple this year um, he had six picks and hooker um, almost 60 touchdowns the to two interceptions over the course of two years um, more efficient Definitely uh, more downfield attacks uh, from Hooker. Just the downfield assault with Jalen Hyatt and company this year. Tennessee finished number one in scoring offense in the country. Number one. Number one in scoring in the regular season. It wasn't Georgia. It wasn't Alabama. It wasn't any of these other universities. It was the Tennessee Volunteers. They had the best offense in the country. That happened. They're like, oh, they shouldn't have lost to South Carolina. Offense wasn't the problem. If you were watching that game, Tennessee was in that game in the fourth quarter. The defense gave up nine of 10 possessions were touchdowns. Nine of 10, you weren't winning that game no matter what kind of offensive production that was. And if you go back through and watch that game, Tennessee was cooking South Carolina's defense over and over again. They'd eventually just stop running the football because the defense could not stay on the field and get a stop. Like they just couldn't, they couldn't do it. Um, So that game changed. But Hendon Hooker was cooking before he got injured in the fumble and torn his ACL and all that. All that being said, I'm not going to pick on Stetson Bennett being a finalist. I don't have a problem with him being it, because I think it would have been weird for the best team in the country not to have a representative uh, in New York. I think that would have been a really, really strange thing. That being said, there were better choices on the University of Georgia to send to New York. The player they should have sent is Jalen Carter, like the guy who's chokeslamming Jalen Daniels in the SEC title game, the guy who single-handedly disrupted the Tennessee game. Like, you talk about Hooker's rough day in Athens. It was Jalen Carter eating Javante Spraggins at the guard spot alive all day long, where Hooker was just getting destroyed by Jalen Carter. He changed the entire game. Jalen Carter changes games for Georgia. Like, he is, I, I mean, he might be the number one pick in the draft next year. Like, Jalen Carter is the one you send, but because it's like we have this weird obsession with sending the quarterbacks and sending offense 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 in the sport my bigger issue is it's like we all know Stetson's not the most valuable player in his team Hinton Hooker was the most valuable player on Tennessee this year Hinton Hooker was the engine that moved this thing like the confidence everything that he was doing the checks and just getting this offense moving making sure the tempo was all working Hinton Hooker was the heart and soul Georgia it's a collection it's a machine but it still is a defense 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 that just what they do in the trenches Barry's teams, and it just, I don't know how you go, you don't send Jalen Carter. I don't even know how you don't send Brock Bowers, who, when you watch George's offense, you're like, oh, Brock Bowers is the best player on this offense. Like, Brock Bowers should get the ball 18 times a game. Like, he's your Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. Like, he should have gone to New York before Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett's a great player who's had a great year, and I'm not going to kill the kid for it. I just think the voters got it wrong in terms of who they sent from Georgia. I just think you could have sent Hooker and also not sent C.J. Stroud. Who? What was his big moment? What was C.J. Stroud's biggest moment all year long with the amount of weapons, with their expectations, with where Ohio State's supposed to be? I mean, I don't know how you send him to New York other than, well, before the year we had him as the number one pick in the draft. Um, he's been fine, and he's gotten the ball to Marvin Harrison enough, and it's Ohio State. So we're sending somebody there. I don't know how you don't give it to Hendon Hooker because we saw the big games, the big game wins. They lost their big game to Michigan. Hendon Hooker beat Alabama. He went toe-to-toe. He had those two insane throws with barely any time left, drove down the field, put a, the Tennessee in a position to hit that knuckleball field goal. Hooker had the moments all season long. And I think when you look and remember back to this season, part of what the Heisman should be is okay, who were the biggest impact players? Who will we remember this particular season by? I'll remember Jalen Carter this year from Georgia. I'll remember Hendon Hooker. I'll remember Blake Corum from Michigan and what he was doing week in, week out, running the football. I'll remember, um, let's see, who else? Max Duggan and him just giving his life to beat Kansas State and his legs just going out and just everything that he was doing to keep TCU alive week over week. That see, should but, be a big part of it.
0: But from that perspective, Stetson Bennett does fit that mm. that mold of like telling the story of the 2022 season. That narrative stuff is part of why he is here. So I, I, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said. I think I, I feel like more of the outrage should be Hinden Hooker instead of CJ Stroud, kind of like you said. And Jalen Carter and Brock Bowers, like I don't disagree with one word you said about them. Jalen Carter is just an absolute game wrecker. But what I think is being a little, a little bit lost is, is how good Stetson's actually been. Like, it's not just a feel-good story because he's a walk-on and he's the number one quarterback on the number one team. Well, I mean, for that, for that matter, like, when do we start getting outraged about the quarterback on the number one team getting too much hype? That's what I want to know. Like, this is, this is not a new thing. I'm just, I'm, I'm just over here like, yeah, now, now Stetson's turn to get too much hype. So you better keep that same energy you had with, with AJ McCarron and with, you know, the Ken Dorseys of the world. Ken Dorsey finished second and, or I think third and fifth in the Heisman back-to-back years. And his, his numbers weren't nearly as good as Stetson's, honestly, even, even comparatively, because he threw a lot more interceptions. Obviously people throw more touchdowns these days, but so, but looking at Stetson's numbers, like you said, like, yeah, he struggled in certain games and, and that sort of thing. But like, it's it's kind of more of what Georgia does. Like hmm. the Kentucky game, like CJ Stroud had his Northwestern game where it was raining, it was windy. Like there was really nothing the offense could do. That, I feel like that kind of explains more the Kentucky game. Missouri, the offense struggled. I don't feel like Stetson necessarily struggled in that game, but because, because what gets lost on you saying kind of like CJ Stroud or Hendon Hooker is the most valuable player for Tennessee, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Stetson Bennett had 70 more attempts this year than C.J. Str- then sorry, than Hendon Hooker. Like, mm-hmm. he, he had almost 400 attempts. Like, I think what gets lost is how, second in the SEC in yards, is how much Georgia actually threw the ball because of the people noticed the 20 touchdowns. But like I told you, and, and Seth Emerson went into... There is at least 10 plays this year where Georgia had 20, 30 yard, I think there was an 80 yard reception to Kenny McIntosh against Georgia Tech where he got tackled at the 2. There was one against uh, for McConkey uh, against LSU on Saturday where right before halftime where he broke that like 30 yard, it would have been a 30 yard touchdown. He gets tackled at the 1. Like there's just been a lot of those plays that kind of and then Georgia gets inside the 1 and they punch it in. One once or twice, it's probably led to a Stetson touchdown run. But mm-hmm. I think I think people kind of focus on the touchdowns. They're like, oh yeah, he's just a game manager. The offense isn't really that. You big call him of a game a manager. Of, you
1: don't watch. You've literally never watched a snap.
0: Well, Stetson maybe better. not even saying game manager, but you're just saying the the passing o- offense. The offense is running the ball. He the what Stetson yeah. does isn't that big of a contributor. It's like this team is way more pass heavy in the first half than they are run heavy. Like you look at the second half. I, I totaled the his second half attempts this year. He has 123 attempts in the second half this year. That's 31% of his total attempts in the second half of games. There's, there's only one game this year where he had double-digit attempts in the fourth quarter. He had 33 attempts in the fourth quarter this season. Like, that's 8% of his total attempts. Like, Georgia's smashing most of the teams they play, like he's, he's throwing for a lot of yards. He's second in the sec in yards. They're smashing basically everyone they play and then running the ball for most of the second half. So I think, I think people kind of get lost in how good he actually has been. And not, not to mention he's a dynamic, like dual threat too. This guy makes, this guy makes plays with his legs. He's got seven rushing touchdowns on the year. He's had a couple of those highlight reel plays too, like the one against Tennessee and the, the run against South Carolina and the one against Uh, mississippi state where he just just straight juked a guy out of his shoes right in the hole like he's had some of those highlight reel plays not to mention just he fits the perfect formula like it's the number he is the quarterback on the number one team and he also he has a great story but he also it gets kind of lost on how how good he's actually been this year
1: well i'd also say it's like and this isn't a stetson problem this is just a a product of being the best recruiting team in the country recruiting and developing team in the country um because it's one thing to be the best recruiting team shout out to tex and m it's another thing to actually develop and create sustain that uh, level of talent influx it's just if you put in joe milton for every hinden hooker game this year tennessee's never number one in cfp like that's never never happening they're never going uh ten, like just what they were it's it's not happening you put carson back in for stetson you're probably still undefeated. That's something that I struggle with too, is just that like you in your like you watched every game. In your heart of hearts, do you think any result is different if it's Carson Beck instead of Stetson Bennett this year?
0: I mean, I just think it's really hard to say. Like Carson Beck's the guy who hasn't really gotten any meaningful snaps. Like, do I am I confident like next year if Carson Beck's the guy, like that he's ready to take over and, and lead Georgia? Like I am. But in terms of just saying this team doesn't miss a beat, it's kind of hard to say
1: they lose a game. Is there a game that's flipped with Carson Beck instead of Stetson?
0: I mean, I guess it's, it's hard to say just because they did go undefeated and they won a lot of games by a wide margin, but yeah. Stetson is also part of the reason they, they won some of those games by a lot uh, a, a large margin. Cause I think what he does off schedule, I think is what's so kind of just an X factor about him because they're, I think there was a lot of plays where down the stretch, and I remember me and my brother kind of, kind of constantly because it was just a, such a storyline with JT Daniels versus Stetson that I think that first or second touchdown, I think the second touchdown, uh, Georgia scored against Tennessee where Stetson uh, gets avoids the sack and then gets like a, it's like a ten yard touchdown run, and it's just like JT Daniels isn't making that play, you know, mm-hmm. like Georgia might have been, might have been able to beat a lot of teams with JT Daniels, but there was just certain plays that Stetson made that were like, you know his legs are a legitimate threat. So Carson Beck looks athletic, but yeah, I don't know that I, he, I don't think he's the runner. Well, part that of it Stetson is like, you is.
1: trust Todd Monken though, right? You're like Todd Monken probably yeah, wins absolutely in schemes, schemes it up enough to go 12 and 0 all over again. I mean, at this point I, I won't rule Josh out anything be, out. Like, I'm just saying <clears throat> Josh Heupel could not have done what he wanted to do this year with Joe Milton versus. At the Hinden same Hicker. time,
0: I mean, to, to Graham Coffey's point, I know you were going to yeah. bring that up at, at some point. Also, like, for the
1: pod, Graham, don't get mad. This is not uh, me picking on you, or like this is, uh, it is a very uh, fair as- assessment of your take. Well, but go ahead.
0: Graham Coffey, yeah, we'll just reference it, says, <clears throat> and I'm not going this deep with it, but the reason Hinden Hooker wasn't a Heisman finalist is the same reason Bryce Petty and Nick Florence weren't. The Baylor offense that Heifel runs is a cheat code for QB stats. The numbers are big until they see a team with cornerbacks who can press cover and freeze point happens. So, <clears throat> well, I'm not going to go that far with it that just... Because as far as I'm concerned, Bryce Putty, I mean, what did he finish? He had to finish like sixth or seventh in the Heisman or something yep. that year, right? I'm, I'm sure he had a great year. But there is an element to... <clears throat> this is a very quarterback friendly offense. This is a very like just modern, you know, cheat code offense, whatever you want to call it, that potentially you could plug another quarterback in here and not miss a beat. That's kind of one of the problems I have with with Tennessee getting penalized for Hooker being hurt right now in the playoff rankings is because you really don't know if Joe Milton couldn't just be a plug and play. Like there's nothing at Virginia Tech that that would tell you that Hendon Hooker was going to be this good, just like there was nothing at Michigan that told you that. Well, the difference you is Joe we saw Milton's Joe be for good. a little bit.
1: Joe was. Bad. I mean,
0: for a couple games, for sure, yeah. but he's also had some time in Hypers' yeah. offense as well. You know, you never know. And this this offense is also kind of a more well oiled machine than it once was. But you know, let's get off on a tangent. But
1: I don't know. I <clears throat> I just I think. Uh, and the thing I'll say. Well, let me say this about ahead. the Graham tweet. He is giving Heisman voters way too much credit because there is not... (laughs) Let me just say this with absolute certainty. There is a 0% chance... I said that really Southern. (laughs) That was... (laughs) Brian (laughs) Kelly over here. Oh, my goodness. That was a huge Southern slip there. Um, No, the reason... I had that just completely... 0% chance? Yeah, 0% chance that this is not that that was not on any heisman voter's brain like they are not thinking oh, bryce petty and nick florence really flourish in this offense so we get we got to keep hendon hooker out it's not that deep they weren't thinking but you could be
0: saying he's uh, he's just a product of the system
1: but then that, like, that's essentially what, what, is, C.J. Stroud, then? <clears throat> what is cj stroud then what is cj stroud i don't like, know are we not when was the last ohio state quarterback that struggled in that system
0: I think that's a valid point. I don't. I don't think C.J. Stroud should be here, especially with right. how he kind of played in the in the in the two big games. Are we they penalizing played Tim
1: season? Tebow for succeeding in the Urban Meyer that's Dan fair. Mullen offense? Like, what does that even mean? If you're no, because we've seen Joe Milton struggle in this offense. We've seen like it still asks a lot out of the quarterback. You've got to be efficient. You've got to be good with tempo. You've got to be smart and get through your reads quickly. You've got to. I mean, there are. It's not this easy, just anybody can do this. Harrison Bailey transferred and it's not starting at UNLV this year. There, and he was a talented four or five-star kid coming into Tennessee. He couldn't handle it. He was or a Jim Cheney recruit, couldn't handle uh, the Tennessee scheme. There are all kinds of quarterbacks all around the country that could not handle what Josh Heupel throws at these quarterbacks. I think it's downplaying that. And I don't think it's fair to penalize quarterbacks for thriving in... I don't like QB friendly schemes. I think it's just more of like maybe how can we best put this? Like the Western Kentucky type, like the Bailey Zappy from last year where it's like I would penalize them more. Cause it's like, you're playing G five competition and I don't think he's doing any of that kind of stuff against an sec <laughs> schedule, but like Hendon's doing this against sec defenses and just lighting them up. Like Kentucky's defense was good. Um, Alabama's defense was good and they were still lighting them up. It, I, I, other programs can try this, other quarterbacks can try this and they can fall flat on their face. We've seen it. Uh, we just penalize the ones when they're actually good in this game.
0: I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't, I, Cause I don't think anyone is really penalizing him. Cause like you said, T- Tebow was, was a, was a Heisman winner, you know? Yeah. So, well, what I'm saying is we guys... shouldn't
1: ever do it is my point. It's like, we should never <clears> penalize <throat> someone for thriving in a scheme.
0: And at the end of the day, I think you're right because people judge their performance. However, it happened. I think maybe with like someone like Mike Leach, yeah. you know, after a while you start to be like, yeah, I mean, how good is that guy? All those quarterbacks do that. So then, we're, but... Are we giving it to Caleb Williams? Like Caleb
1: Williams, Lincoln Riley, like,
0: what? No, that's that's true. No, and so at the end of the day, like what I what I was gonna say is I don't think that's really going into the yeah. the voters' minds. It's it's a formula. And and let's be honest, this was a down year for the Heisman. Like every like if Setson if Setson had those like eight seven or eight touchdowns that like I've talked about like he could have, like had guys not gotten tack out the one or two, he'd be a lock to win the Heisman. Mm-hmm. Like because of the narrative and the stats would actually match and He's on the best team or anything like it wouldn't even be close like oh i would with, take for you with every hold on with every of these candidates that it's been like his to lose or his to mm-hmm. lose like it's bryce young's to lose basically right they lose two games okay it's it's hookers to lose they lose two games it's stroud's it's stroud or quorum's to lose like Corum doesn't play stroud loses it caleb williams max duggins to lose they both lose in the conference championship it's like for for their perfect heisman narrative to fit it's like everybody's lost except mm-hmm. for georgia and stetson so it's like like michigan didn't lose but blake quorum they also won two games without him so it's like i guess that hurts his case and like you said it just being a quarterback award now which is obviously it's, it's been a flawed system for a long time i'm just like it's
1: time for stetson to to get that same flawed uh flawed logic going his way well, I was going to say, and we can put a bet on it here, is that I think if you just remove Stetson Bennett's name, and JT never loses his job last year, and he doesn't get hurt, and he's not banged up, and JT Daniels has the exact same run Stetson's on, and JT has the exact same stats that Stetson has this year, I think he wins the Heisman as the favorite. I don't 100%. think it's a question.
0: May have won it twice, Yeah. honestly. <laughs> like... Seriously, like I think I'm talking so about that
1: this week is I so think so much GT is made of
0: it. of him being a walk on and, and size form, and, and not being an NFL quarterback and, and not being stuff. a five star recruit and all that. Yeah. So much is made of that. And it's funny too because he's called a former walk on. It's like this guy's been on scholarship since twenty nineteen. <laughs> like this
1: George has thought he was scholarship worthy for a while now. He's older than Jalen Hurts, who's out here maybe going to the Super Bowl this year. The guy has been on scholarship and has used up all kinds of financial aid. The man has I, used up... I, I don't know he's what he's the taking same these same days. What was he taking as, this fall? Do we know? I don't know. I think Bennett he's the taking? same
0: age as Burrow and Lamar Jackson,
1: I want to say. That's insane. Um, Hindenhugger also around there. I just want to know what Stetson Bennett was taking this semester. What classes is he doing at UT? But...
0: That's a good question. I know Leinart was taking what ballroom dancing his last <laughs> uh, his last year at USC, um, but we haven't even talked about Caleb Williams. And yeah. Caleb Williams is my prediction to win it. I think he yeah. he, he kind of feels like a lock at this point. Um, but yeah, so we haven't even mentioned the guy that we think's gonna gonna win the award because it's all about stats. And like that's yeah. the biggest thing with outrage. All all the outrage I see on Twitter is just like Heisman doesn't mean anything anymore. It's like oh Heisman is garbage. All this. It's like Stetson's not even gonna win so yeah. like why are we mad that he's gonna finish like fourth or third in the Heisman like who I think a lot of
1: Tennessee fans are just mad at how this all ended for Hinden, right like he's just been this warrior getting Tennessee back he gets hurt they missed the playoff like it's just a really rough way for Hinden's career to end in Knoxville I think that's hey.
0: I understand that, and I think um, maybe this will be what we need. Maybe the, the Stetson will hate. Will just go so deep. Maybe he will win it, and feel like you know what? This is the final straw. That man's not winning.
1: We we do can't... we really think he's gonna win? Like no, I don't.
0: But I'm saying if he does, then people can find like look. We need to come to. We need to have a come to Jesus moment here about the Heisman and what what award we want it to be. We don't want this little walk on winning it. I don't care how good his story is. Yeah. Uh, give it to the best defensive lineman or just someone like that in the country. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Jalen Carter, Heisman moment, just picking up another grown man. And instead of, instead of suplexing him to the ground like he could have and potentially paralyzing him, <laughs> he just picked him up. He was like, we're going yeah. we're gonna, to we're gonna blow the whistle. You want, me to, you want me to throw him down? I'll throw him down. But we could just blow the whistle.
1: Do you remember at North Georgia when uh, – did you play uh, intramural uh, flag football with us? I don't think I was on your team. No, but were you on another no, team? No, I
0: dabbled. Yeah, I didn't play on your team, but okay. I had a I had some solid
1: moments out there on that flag football field. Well, didn't we all? And <laughs> when I say didn't we all, I remember I ran an out route. And the reason I bring this up is because it reminded me of what Jalen did on Saturday, which is I ran an out pattern, caught it, and turned up field. Like this was a quick, like a five yard out, turn up field, and this big dude who played. Uh, football in high school forgot it was flag football and just picked me up like he would just came at me wrapped up he didn't go for the flag at all like full-on wrap just f- went full tackle mode pick me up slam me to the ground like full-on oh, wow. picked me up and took me to the ground and i could tell that he completely forgot what was happening like i wasn't really mad it was jarring because it happened so quick and didn't it, it wasn't comfortable but it wasn't bad either um but whatever. But I just thought about that where he had me kinda up like in the air. Slammed you down? No, I'm saying he like had me <laughs> up. I was kind of like just jarred by the whole thing of like not expecting it. Like have you ever It's no, like when you pick up a bottle and you think it's going to be full and it's actually empty and you just like kind of like grab it really quick and you're like whoa. That was not what I thought was in there. That's what I felt when the dude just picks me lifts me off the ground where I'm like uh what like just flashbacks to me playing football as a kid. Um, up until ninth grade, and I was like, nope, 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 and your life just flashes before your eyes, because, like, I'm not wearing any pads. Like, this man has taken my life into his hands, and uh, we'll see how this goes. It's yeah, a Yeah, uh,
0: I'd be pretty hostile. So, it's like, what are, we, what are we doing? We're playing flag football. You see the flags? Yeah. What, are you, what are we doing here?
1: Well, I it's like
0: It's like my logic around, like, fair catches. Like, mm-hmm. catching punts, I feel like is, like, the scariest thing in all of football to me, because it's, like, they're not allowed to hit you, but that doesn't mm. mean they're not going to hit you. So it's like, you could you wave your hand, have a fair catch all you want, but you could still just get rocked and you're just standing there. Like, mm. I don't know, you're just a sitting duck out
1: there. That's true. Um, Matt Green, this is weird. We don't have actual games to preview on this pod, but as folks true. see in the title, we are doing a theme episode. We'll be doing a lot of theme episodes uh, throughout the off season and in between these breaks between bowl games and the playoff and things like that. But um, thing I want to do, we've been holding this off for a couple of weeks um, and it was good timing because we get another big monumental shift uh, in the coaching ranks with Jeff Brom leaving Purdue for Louisville um, that we'll get to in a second. But we're going to do our coaching CFB coaching changes over reactions pod. So um, strong overreactions, but this is my gut things. I was thinking about this for the last couple of weeks and my takes on this. And I have four coaching changes and I have some strong takes on this. You've got three, but I think this is a fun exercise. I know you're more the, the, the measured CFB analyst on this pod. Uh, <laughs> I'm more of like, let's just burn it all down. The Joker. Some men just want to watch the world burn. And I think for me, I mentioned Louisville. I want to start here, Matt Green. Here's my take, here's my overreaction. You ready for this? Hit me. Louisville won the hiring cycle by hiring Jeff Brom. Wow, now that is a hot take. I think it's the best hire this this cycle. Um, Jeff Brom, obviously a Louisville legend, um, been there before, quarterbacked Mr. Louisville. I think he's from Louisville, um, played high school there. Louisville has significant NIL money how they got the five-star running back who was there briefly before uh, now tonight going to Texas A&M and sticking the Adidas route. But like, Louisville's a sleeping giant. The ACC is wide open. We saw that this year. We've seen it the last two. Wake Forest and Pitt in there last year. Scott Satterfield took over a really, really bad situation. If you go back and look at what Bobby Petrino left this Louisville program in, it was bad, bad. Read the stories about it. Talk to people in Louisville. It was bad. Um, the way things ended with Bobby Petrino and the talent drain and all that. Scott Satterfield won a lot of football games at at uh, Appalachian State for several years. I think he's gonna be okay, just not a good fit. He interviewed for South Carolina, didn't go over well. Um, rubbed people the wrong way. He was dead man walking. Jeff Brom got Purdue to the Big Ten title game this year. Purdue, do you know how hard it is to get? Do we, I think we
0: need an asterisk, not to interrupt you, but what was this? A, a an eight and five team, four eight and four, getting get to the the Big the Big Ten championship. We had a nine and three team go
1: in the SEC this year.
0: Big Ten West was was awful this year. I'll just, just going Say it.
1: Okay, Purdue. What I'm saying is had never won the West prior to Deshaun being That's there. fair. That's fair. He got Purdue in the NIL era, and I'll mention this more. Purdue is a smart, smart school, man. Like it's an engineering school, hard school to get into, hard school to stay at, just a hard school to recruit for. It's gonna be a hard school to win at. You see it at Northwestern, Georgia Tech, Stanford, all that, they have significantly less resources than what he is walking into at Louisville. I just look at the landscape, Clemson, shaky. You look everywhere else. Florida State may have broke through a little bit. We'll see. There is an opening. Jeff Brom is immediately the second best coach in this conference. Immediately. Louisville. What is what is that saying in the ACC though? What that's saying is, I think there's a quick path to them being a college football playoff team. Like they're right there where Louisville goes from like 500 football. He's taking over a pretty solid situation now. They're not. They're going seven and five, eight and four and they were probably in good shape to go eight and four next year with Scott Satterfield. Like, they were moving in the right direction with Satterfield. He is not taking over a Nebraska situation where you're like, all right, it's going to take a little bit. Like, it's not... It it could have gone way worse. He's not taking over a program that's just on the fritz, and he's having to uh, get it off life support. No, that's not what's happening here. I think he's going to win right away at uh, Louisville, and I think it's the best hire in this cycle because of the connections. The NIL part of it, the, the fact that this man can coach, the fact that offenses have always been great, whether it's Western Kentucky, Purdue, winning at Purdue is hard. It's even harder in this era, and he won a lot. Eight games this year, nine games last year. I think Jeff Brom is going to, he's probably one of the five, ten best coaches in the sport, and Louisville just got him back home. I think we look back and we're like, oh, shit. Louisville is back and Louisville is a really, really good football program uh, right away here. I, I'm, if I'm a Louisville fan, I'm extremely excited about the the future of the football program because I think they're going to be really good really quickly. And I think the ACC is wide open for the taking. That's my reaction. Number one.
0: Wow. You want, me to, you want me to hit you with my uh, first overreaction? Yeah.
1: Where are we going? First coach in
0: this Cycle that will take a team to the college football playoff, uh-huh. is Luke Fickle. Oh wow, no yes. Jim Leonard. You're not worried. I just think Luke Fickle. I just think he showed what he could do at a place like Cincinnati. Like Wisconsin isn't just a powerhouse, but like they've just been a very, very good program for a long time. I think the fact that Luke Fickle is did what he did with Cincinnati, and it's like it's not like Cincinnati was just some mediocre program like every coach they've had basically is has gone to a big time power five job but he took them to a higher level than than i think brian kelly did then uh butch jones did then mark d'antonio did like i just think i'm a huge luke fickle fan and i, I think wisconsin is just already good like what, what did they finish this year seven and five and it was just an absolute disaster of a season like they were awful for like the first two months or so and you just look and it's like, oh yeah, they ended up just as good as all the other mediocre teams in the Big Ten West. Like, I think as soon as Luke Fickle is in, I think, I think Wisconsin is gonna become a more legitimate contender in the West.
1: Can I counter that take? Hit me. I don't think any of these coaches who've been hired are ever going to the playoff. Oh, I thought you had another take about uh about a certain coach Prime. Overreaction. That's an overreaction take. But my gut, like just, well, I should in a four-team playoff, I should pivot out of that. In the four-team playoff era, I don't think any of these programs have a path to the playoff, even with these Oh, that's fair. I mean, the four-team
0: playoff is I guess I didn't even really consider that when I was talking about my prediction, because Multiple coaches here could, could take yes. the team to the playoffs. so I should, but yeah, clarify, yeah. If that's the criteria, I feel even better about Luke Fickle because Wisconsin has been damn good at finishing, like, top 8 to, to 10. It's that, it's that top 4 that they can't quite get to.
1: I would lean Hugh Freeze, but I my number 1 is still Deion Sanders. I think Deion gets to the playoff first, which leads me to my Deion take. I have a Deion Sanders take. A lot of people it, are talking about the Jackson State aspect of this and leaving Jackson State and – Bomani Jones, I think, had the best uh, take on this. Go check it out. He was on, like, CNN, I think, when he was uh, talking about that, and he talked about it on the right time. But, like, Bomani a lot, and he had a really good, uh, fascinating take on uh, the Deion Sanders decision. But you look at it, man. Five-star recruiting prospect, Win- uh, Winston Watkins. He's only 15 years old. Never been to Colorado. Committed to Deion already. Five-star kid. IMG. <laughs> We've seen it before, like... They won a national title in the early 90s. We know they have it. We know that it's a beautiful place. Colorado has one of the more beautiful underrated stadiums. It's in a beautiful part of the country. It's close enough to Texas. It's close enough like where they can recruit to Southern California. They've done it in the past. They can do it again. Um, it's a unique spot. Uh, the Pac-12, as we've seen, loves to cannibalize itself. Guess who's leaving the Pac-12 very soon? USC and uh, UCLA. That That's opens fair. up California a little bit more for them, where it's like you're the Pac 12 conference. You look at it and you're like, is it Utah? You can out recruit Utah. That's their main rival. That might be the cream, the crème de la creme and the Pac 12 over the next couple of years is Utah and Colorado, where Utah is anti flash and just physical smash mouth. And Colorado is just all flash all the time. Um, He's not shying but, away from his expectations here. And in the NIL era, and when you read the early reporting on this, there is not a bigger NIL coach rock star right now than Deion Sanders. And I don't know how much he's going to translate from Jackson state. Cause I think some people are overblowing that where it's like, he has experience it's like All right, kind of like Jackson state's a little bit different. Like we'll, we'll see um, how it, it's like, we saw the Montana coach who went to, I think it was San Diego state for a couple of years and he really flamed out. It was either there at UNLV, but it was like, no, it's one thing to win in the big sky year over year and to like dominate there it's another thing to dominate the power five level like it's just different so we'll see it doesn't mean it can't happen it just means we can see it so let's just not act like deon sanders is a sure thing as a head coach but he went out and hired kent state's offensive coordinator very good hire because kent state has head a fun head coach head coach excuse me yes big move it's like i'm not messing around Dion is not messing around his press conference or not press conference his opening statement to the players was like you all Probably like (laughs) it's one of the more insane things I've ever watched. Like, if I was a player in the room, I'm like. Did I just get fired from college football? What just <laughs> happened here? Where you're like, did I just what just happened? Did my coach just tell me I'm not good enough for this program anymore? Like it's time to go. Like other people are coming in and like I'm hitting the portal hard, I'm recruiting hard, and most of you guys are probably out of here. But um like, I'll be was, honest, I didn't mind it at all. Like I see a lot of
0: outrage about it. I don't but, know outrage, I
1: thought it was hilarious, but if I'm was, a player there, like I'm just like if you're a player or you're a parent, you're like, what's happening right now? What we're Yeah. But
0: I think it, it's like in this NIL era like if, if we want these guys to be professionals
1: like yeah. we we'll start paying them it's like
0: this is this is how you get treated like a professional like I don't care if your
1: dad's Josh McCown, like my son is now QB1 get him out of here like whatever Yeah it is. that I'm, was crazy like I brought my quarterback with yeah. me
0: it's <laughs> like I got some guys um and you're guys like, what is I want to hit the portal I like, I saw something, he was, someone commenting, because he said, like, no hats and no hoodies, Mm -hmm. and there's this dude in the back that just kind of slowly takes his hat (laughs) off, like, but the funniest part to me was, like, whatever he said, and they, like, kind of chanted back, like, Mm -hmm. team, uh, strength, whatever, like, they were, like, chanting, it's, like, this guy just told me <laughs> that I'm not even gonna be on this team. And now we're expected to like yell back. Like, team, he just told us like most of us ever, are out of here. Yeah. Smart. Whatever. He, whatever the things he was saying. I was just. It was such an awkward situation. But it was
1: captivating. I was like ready to run a brick wall for Deion Sanders. And it, it had to be conflicting if you're a kid in the room because you're like, man, I would love to play for this guy. It's a pity that he's kicking me out to bring in some transfers and some other people, uh, some other uh, recruits. Um, I mean, they're just going to That's ride. Deion I'm, Sanders. Like yeah.
0: everything he does is captivating. It's mm-hmm. like he just, he just has a charisma about him. And it's like if some guys, if Lane Kiffin came in and said, you know, <laughs> you guys probably just want to hit the portal. I feel like people would <laughs> just rip him a new one. Yeah. But there's something about Deion Sanders. It's like he's being real with me. Like, y'all just went one eleven.
1: Like get, Yeah. Well,
0: like, I don't know. I don't know. It's something about Deion Sanders.
1: What if he really did open it up? He's like, I see a lot of losers in this room. A lot of losers in this room. One in eleven? One in eleven at Colorado. The place where Cordell Stewart, Chris Brown uh salam uh what was it rashad salam Rashad that salam yeah. yeah heisman winner yeah like you go up and down and you're like this cordell is Stewart. Acceptable. yeah joel klatt <laughs> of course <laughs> um who was the quarterback during the chris brown year in the early 2000s it wasn't klatt who was it or was it klatt
0: i honestly know i think he was late 90s i want to say he was earlier i want to say he's older than cordell stewart but maybe not um Hmm. i think yeah cordell i'm not sure i'm not sure who it was in that that bobby purify is the one i always think of because i how do you how do you forget a name like that
1: yeah it's like tyron prothro there's just some certain college football names here like i'll always remember it um but yeah either way i think Montario hardesty that's a good one for me that's a good one i think he's a is he running back he was a running backs coach at charlotte last time i saw but that staff got uh, fired so I don't know where he is right now uh, but either way my my overreaction I think he makes a college 12 playoff in three years or less I think it's happening very very quickly
0: You uh, your Pac-12 take uh, kind of that kind of changes things a little bit because USC, mm. USC and, and UCLA going to the Big Ten yep. I don't think I've really grasped how much that's going to change that conference uh, but like you're saying with California like I think instead of seeing all these schools clean up on Oregon and Colorado's of the world, cleaning up on California talent, I think you're going to see more California talent go to the Big Ten. Like, I think mm. that's how you get exposure. Like, you're Illinois, you're Penn State, you're now playing some games at UCLA, like you're being seen on the West Coast. I think, I think it could have an effect with actually helping the Big Ten recruit California. You're seeing these games on TV all the time because your teams are playing them.
1: True. I just think part of it is just like, if you're a parent, it's just more travel. If you're picking USC and UCLA and you're going to Wisconsin and Iowa and nothing is close to home really. But if you go to Colorado, you go to Oregon, like most of your games will still be on the West Coast and will be uh, significantly closer for a lot of family members and friends to go to. did you watch the uh, 60 Minutes
0: interview with uh, with Dion Sanders? Mm-mm. I mean, if you just watch that, you're just like, I'm not going to bet against this man no. doing anything, basically. He's just like, I've been great at everything I've ever done. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I guess he's right. He fucking played professional baseball, played professional football. So
1: He's backed everything up. Like, he's I am not in the business coach. of doubting Deion Sanders. Mel Tucker in 2019 got the buffs to number 23, or number 34 in recruiting, which was the best in over a decade. Like, it can be done quickly. Mel Tucker was turning that program around pretty quickly until Michigan State was like, how about some more? Would you like some more millions? How many millions (laughs) does it take to get you away from Colorado after a year? Um, Yeah, no, I think Colorado. Sorry, go ahead. So my bold one, I just, I think Deion's going to be in the playoff quicker uh, than many people might expect.
0: Two bowl appearances in the last 15 years for for the Buffaloes. It's been a while
1: i'm excited it's gonna be fun i am they're gonna be must see tv each week i'm curious to see what the national tv rankings ratings are for the buffs because i think it's just gonna be must see television also what do you do if you're sanders like what if it uh is it Shador? is that how you pronounce his son's name
0: that's i think that's right yeah
1: what if he's bad like he's just not a power five quarterback (laughs) and he's just like do you bench your son how does that go
0: I think Deion Sanders would bench his son in a heartbeat. I think he <laughs> I think he wants to win and he'll do whatever it takes. Like it's one thing to- dom- If he's got I, another guy that can play.
1: Yeah, I don't know. This is why coaching your child I, in a major sport like this in the college level, I don't know. That's gotta be tough. Um, your next one, Matt Green. My next hot
0: take, if you're noticing a theme, it's because the power is about to shift, sir. Mm. The power that I'm talking about is in the Big Ten. The Big Mm. Ten East. We had our legends in the leaders there for a couple years. Wisconsin won the conference twice when they were in the leaders division. But Mm -hmm. since we split to the Big Ten East, Big Ten West 2014, the Big Ten West has not won the Big Ten championship. And I just told you I think Luke Fickle is going to make a playoff appearance. I think Matt Rule... Is going to win a Big Ten title at Nebraska. That's your that's your overreaction here, for Matt Rule. I think Matt Rule might be. I'm really high on Luke Fickle. I think Matt Rule might be the best hire of this whole off season. Like, wow. I think ne- Nebraska, like Nebraska. We talk about sleeping giants, like like Tennessee and everything. Like Nebraska's got resources. Like they they're one of the best fan bases in the entire country. They got money to spend all that. They want this. And Matt Rule is a proven coach. I'm just kind of shocked in 2022 that they were able to get a coach that good. Because like Kirby Smart, like in in 2016, Kirby Smart is what he is as Nick Saban's right-hand man and the Georgia job opens up. I don't know that Georgia, like obviously Georgia has a lot of good resources. They're a top program. I don't know that they're necessarily the destination job if Kirby Smart didn't go to Georgia right mm. like I think there's other huge jobs out there. Scott Frost was just such a huge commodity. there's no way he's going to Nebraska as the number one like hottest coach out there. there's no way he's going to Nebraska if he didn't go there you know what I mean mm. so I felt like it was just kind of a yeah you got this big time candidate because you're because he went there he he feels a, a an attachment to his alma mater. So I wasn't really sure who they could get the next time around and not saying they shouldn't have fired Scott Frost cuz he was obviously doing a terrible job but I was just shocked that they could get a guy just kind of as proven as Matt Rule to, to take a program like Baylor from 1 and 11 to like 11 and 1 like 2 years later 2 and 10 to 10 and 2 something like that like mm-hmm. 2 years later I it was just incredible so I'm I'm huge I'm high on Matt Rule and I think Nebraska is a sleeping giant like they they got some NIL money to give, like they got they're, they got a big time fan base. I, I, I think people might be sleeping on Nebraska.
1: Matt Roll was like, I am not going to Nebraska. I am not going to Lincoln. That's not happening. And they're like, all right, how much money? And they were like, what if we guaranteed 90% That's of That's what your you
0: comp- do to every single recruit. I'm not going to Nebraska. Okay, yes. how much is <laughs> it gonna
1: take? Like I'm not going uh eight years 74 million 90 of its guarantees making 9.25 a year that's why matt roll is in nebraska that's wow. why the guy from state college and do you uh, know where that
0: ranks that's got to be top five right
1: it's because i think
0: be. i want to say mel tucker is like i think kirby mel tucker saban and like maybe jimbo are like right at the top I guess Jimbo's got to be number one now, right? I forgot about him.
1: Saban's at 11.7. Kirby's at 11.25. Okay, so it's tied with Brian Kelly at five.
0: Wow, that's Nebraska's got some money. <laughs> they got some resources. I think, uh, I think you're gonna see the, the shift, the, the, the power champs? shift to the Big, Big 10, Ten West. Big Ten Just wait. It might take a couple years. But I just, like uh, this
1: overreaction. This is a bold one.
0: I like, I like Matt Rule.
1: What, what was your favorite Nebraska Big Ten title thus far? Ooh. Uh,
0: they, haven't, they haven't seen one. Actually, we you got to go through the last four head coaches. I guess you got go to go back to a fifth head coach to find their last conference championship. Bo Pelini did get him to a couple. A couple Big 12 appearances, a couple Big Ten appearances, but uh, not, a, not a championship. That's why it's bold,
1: sir. That's true. Um, strong take here. I think you're going to like this one. Tim Beck kills all of Coastal Carolina's momentum in the Sun Belt. This was a disaster hire. When I saw this, under the radar, I was sick. Big Jamie Chadwell guy here. He moves on to Liberty making four mil a year over there. Probably one of the best G5 jobs available. Liberty's going to be in the CFP in the next two years, by the way. Just go ahead and pencil that one in. When uh, the college ball playoff expands, Liberty's going to be in sooner rather than later. Coastal going with a pro-style offense higher with Tim Beck. What are you doing? You know what this reminded me of when I saw this? When Georgia Southern got too big for their britches. They were like, (laughs) you know what we are tired of? Winning football games the way we win football games. Triple option's just not working for us anymore. What's Brian Van Gorder doing over there in, uh, in Athens, Georgia? Let's bring him in here. Let's shake things up. We're going to be a defense-first identity. We're going to slow things down. We're going to modernize Statesboro. What happened was they didn't modernize. The program imploded, and they were like, all right, we got to go re Jeff Monkin. What are you doing? They go get Jeff Monkin. Willie Fritz is in there. He kind of deviates a little bit. They do some triple option stuff. There's something about Coastal. That fun attack that they had that Jamie Chadwell installed... Should be the identity for Coastal Carolina forever. Like, that should be your identity. That offense. But that's a super unique offense, right? Does everyone know how to run that kind of offense keep like that? The, uh, promote from within. What are we doing? He's not taking the whole staff. Just promote from within. Do we know he's not taking? That's I don't think he's taking the him? whole staff. Um, either way, Tim Beck is a terrible hire. Like, this is going to. I'm not <laughs> certain of like anything flaming out more than Coastal going to a pro style scheme. This is a disaster. Disaster.
0: Well, what do you really want Coastal Carolina to do? Like, who, like this isn't a destination job. Exactly. This is a, a so random you, you,
1: place that Jamie Chadwell made good for a few years. You get the guy who, like, you just are like, Jamie Chadwell, whoever we got to bring in. Jamie, who would you suggest continue on your legacy of the fun wishbone, whatever thing you got going on here. The fun wildcat, the fun, I forgot what it's called. You got the Greenfield, your Chanticleers, that is what you are. You are just a fun offense. That don't most just... teams have green fields? Yeah, no, they don't. <laughs> yeah. Be weird. Teal Part teal of things. Statesboro is you run the triple. You run a fun offense. And look, we'll see how it works with Clay Helton long term. But look, I don't like it. I hate this hire. The Tim Beck hire is terrible. I've never been more certain. Whatever the under is next year for Coastal, get it now. What a mm, terrible hire! Terrible. Hate it for my Chanticleers. That's my uh, reaction. yeah, I don't, I don't have
0: much. I don't have much to say about Coastal. I'll uh, I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. Um, Hugh Freeze. Uh oh. I have no idea what take to have about Hugh Freeze, sir. I want to say I want to say Hugh Freeze is going to beat Saban multiple times.
1: Are you is diet? that a hot
0: take? He's done that before. Yeah. I just, With less talent. I feel like Hugh Freeze is going, here's my take Hugh Freeze is going to win the SEC in the next three years, or he's going to be fired in the next three years. There's hmm. no in between. This is Auburn. They go all or nothing. So we're going to see one of the two things happen. They're going to go absolutely catch fire, and this, this team's going to be dangerous. And we're all going to be reminded oh, yeah, Auburn is a powerhouse program. It's just kind of been a few years or it's just gonna be as disastrous as some of the, the naysayers have said about this hire, and he's gonna be gone in a couple of years. And maybe there's even another scandal, who knows. But um, yeah, I feel like it's just gonna be either either uh, either crash or burn, or wait, those are the worst. Those are the those same are both, things, yeah. Those are both the same thing. You know what I'm trying to say, sink or swim.
1: Yeah. Um, I agree with the take as to whether or not he pre- he's either gonna be an awesome hire, and he's going to win big, or he's going to lose big and get in all kinds of trouble, and we're just going to, like, the stories coming out where I just, Auburn is in a weird spot. Like, the Brian Harson stuff was weird, man, and did not go well. You have a new AD, so that's different. We'll see how things work. Um, it's clear that he was not their first choice, um, but that always doesn't mean anything. Hypo wasn't the first choice for Tennessee, and he's been great. Um, there's all kinds of stories. Like, Clemson was not banking on Dabo Sweeney being their head coach to follow uh, Bowden. And that's been one of the best blessings in the world for them. Um, I just, I'm leaning more towards, there's just something weird about that program right now. And I don't think they fixed all their problems. I'm not banking on Robbie Ashford being an awesome player for them right away next year with Hugh Freeze in this offense. Like you kept Cadillac. That's good. But I don't know, he brought some, some, a lot of people from Liberty where I'm like, I don't know if that's gonna be the best uh, for Auburn, and Brian Harson ran into this problem of bringing in too many Boise guys to Auburn, so we'll see how that works, but I don't know. I, I'm i leaning more towards it doesn't work out um, for Hugh Freeze, and the SEC is a lot tougher um, top to bottom. I mean, we make jokes about Vanderbilt, but I mean, they almost went bowling. Uh, Mississippi State, Old Miss, you go up and down the list, Arkansas. I think it's a, Brian Kelly and LSU aren't going anywhere. Nick Saban and Alabama aren't going anywhere. I just think that they're in for a really tough world. I mean, Georgia wasn't even what they are now uh, when he freezes at all Miss. I just, no, I think he's in for a rude awakening a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's probably the worst thing <clears throat> Auburn has going for him because with with, the, with what the SEC West is, Georgia becoming this juggernaut is, is not helping things on the Plains.
1: Yeah, you get George, Kirby like- and Nick Saban on the schedule every year.
0: Exactly. I just feel like there's something kind of inspirational with how Auburn finished the year and now keeping Cadillac on the staff. I feel like they kind of reminded, I don't know, maybe the college football world that like, yeah, we're not good right now, but like this is still like a destination. It's still like a fan base that absolutely goes nuts for their team. We still have one of the loudest stadiums in the SEC. And I'm not as sold as you on the the, I don't know, the the consistency moving forward of the SEC West. Like, mm. Jimbo Fisher is just an absolute just... I think they'll be better next year. Who the hell knows? They should be, but, yeah. like, they should have been better this year. Yeah. Like And with what Mississippi, oh, Ole Miss was this past year, just kind of a fraud, Mississippi State, you're still not convinced that Mike Leach makes it through this offseason. They haven't hired but, a new
1: AD yet. Like, people who are like, I'm, I'm just saying, wait it out. And How many more tweets from players? even if he does...
0: Even if he does survive, oh, yeah, that was bad. But even if he does survive, it's like, what's the ceiling for Mississippi State with with Mike Leach? And you said Nick Saban's not going anywhere. I mean, he has to at some point, right? This guy's like 74 years old, 72 years old or something. Mm -hmm. Like, he's getting up there. So I feel like you're seeing Alabama, like they're not like they're not crumbling it's not a demise of alabama but it they're definitely trending in the wrong direction simply because they were just so high at the mountaintop for so long like they're clearly not where they once were so there is a chink in their armor if 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 nothing else so you're walking into a situation where alabama isn't just click on all firing on all cylinders at least and and auburn is still beating them a couple times when they when they shouldn't have so there's a way that auburn plays when they play Alabama, they're not really scared to begin with, even in years where they're not good for some reason. But, and, and Hugh, Freeze, Hugh Freeze has a history of beating Alabama. So I don't know. And Brian Kelly, I, I left that one out. Brian Kelly is, LSU could start to take a stranglehold of, of the West. If, if, they can, if they can win the West year one where they're really not that good yet, like LSU has, has I think has the highest upside, I think in the next like five years or so. Hmm. But I think um, I think it's not necessarily the worst time to be coming into the SEC West at, at, a, at a place like Auburn, even though there's it has felt like a chaotic program the last couple of years.
1: I like it. My last one, and it'll be close to your heart at Green Tech settling for Brent Key is a bad omen for Georgia Tech's college football future.
0: Um, please elaborate on this. So, wh- do we know all the details of Willie Fritz? Is it just that they...
1: So, not 100%, but if you listen to the pod yesterday with uh, the Athletics' Jeff Schultz, um, we talked about this extensively and his reporting on it. Because if you remember, he was the one who broke this originally uh, about the Willie Fritz negotiation. And I'm paraphrasing um, what Jeff was telling me, but ultimately, <laughs> he never got a hundred percent uh certainty as to what if it was guaranteed money as the hold up um i know he wanted to coach the aac championship game and i don't think tech wanted to wait uh for that long with the portal is it seems like that was a part of it too is just the team being good and being in the aac, AAC championship was a problem uh trying to nail it down with a lot of i find part- that hard to believe yeah but, I mean, again, the schedule. What are we doing with this schedule? We're having to force coaches to pick between or, like, interview for other jobs while their team's literally in an AAC champion. Like, what are we doing? That's not fair to the coach. Why are they having to do both? And it just, it just sucks. Yeah. So you got to figure something out. Bowl game's
0: one thing. Conference championship, yeah. that's still the season.
1: Yeah, what are you going to do? Give a speech before the conference title game that you're leaving after this whole year? No. It's like, no, that just sucks. Um, But the reason I say this Is because Fritz, Bill O'Brien, the holdup was guaranteed money, was a part of this. And obviously they had to pay a lot of money to fire Jeff Collins, who got a huge contract, if you remember, um, at Georgia Tech when he was hired. They do not, they're in a different kind of position with NIL. And this was something that Jeff Schultz mentioned that I hadn't really considered. And this is a problem. This scares the crap out of me if I'm a Georgia Tech fan. And if I'm a Stanford fan, and if I'm a Northwestern fan, they have a lot of big money donors, obviously, right? Like a lot of rich people (laughs) went to Georgia Tech and are working and running tech businesses, tech companies, whatever. They're doing all kinds of big stuff. Tech is one of the best schools in the country. There's a lot of money in the alumni pool there. However, the big money donors at Tennessee care about football. They go to football games. They care about Tennessee football being good. The Georgia Tech mega money guys don't care about Georgia Tech football being good. They care about getting their name on a building around campus. They care about how the academic departments are doing, how the research is going, how the the <laughs> academic standing is? How's that university. research going? Sir? Well, I mean, like they do all kinds of graduate scholarly like research. Like that's part of a lot of these programs. Yeah. Like I'm in a graduate school right now. Like that's part of it. Like just you want. To Are you be... in grad school? And people forget. I've never um, heard you not for much longer that. over here. <laughs> but look, I, I hadn't considered that. But it's like if that money's not coming for these schools in the NIL era, and they're not able to pivot on the collective front and get that donor base to be like hey, we could really, we love our academics, but we're falling significantly behind in in NIL and we can't really compete if y'all don't start pushing some of your money towards the football program um, because that's just how college sports are now. They're screwed. Like, I think Georgia Tech, this is my overreaction, my last one. I don't, once the ACC folds... And I think it's still going to happen in the next 10 years. Like we're still going to see that split apart. I think they fall in like an independent. Maybe they go down to like an FCS type thing. They go down to a CUSA. I think I mean, they're in it, trouble. I don't think they have the money to compete in this new world. And if they're not going to be able to maximize in a Jeff Sims just left. Um, Jameer Gibbs left the year prior. I think they're going to get picked off. Brent Key was obviously the cheapest hire. The contract's not out, but the if you read the tea leaves here, the reason that Willie Fritz and Bill O'Brien and a lot of the bigger names aren't the head coach right now is because Brent Key was the cheapest option. Yeah, he had a great internal story, but like he was the interim and never had any experience and all that. You know what you also need when you have a Brent Key type coach? You need Ed Orgeron money. Ed Orgeron at LSU had Joe Brady. He had... um. Dave Aranda he had a booster program that would install a crazy amazing staff around somebody like Ed Ordron who was the ultimate just player love like players loved him kind of guy right the CEO coach prick he's not getting that at Georgia Tech he's not getting an unlimited assistant pool to just maximize his deficiencies as a uh, coach because he's a CEO coach he's a line offensive line guy He's going to have to hire a really good staff around him to do everything else. This is not going to go well, man. I think Georgia Tech, if I'm a Tech fan, this signals that like you're going down the Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford rabbit hole, where I think the more and more we get into the NIL era and more conference realignment, I think Georgia Tech's in serious trouble.
0: I think to that point I can understand what you're saying if we get some sort of power five some some top 50 college football programs get together and not all the power five schools make it Georgia Tech's definitely one of those that might miss it uh, not make the cutoff but with with all those unforeseen things just keeping it at this specific higher like I don't see it being that bad like he went for four and four down the stretch with like basically a terrible football team. Like they at least showed some sign of life. And I think there's something, everyone wants their Kirby Smart, man. Everyone wants to to get a guy that went there where you've seen, what, three already. Brent Key went to Georgia Tech. Um, Kenny Dillingham went to Arizona State. Uh, who's the other one I'm forgetting? Um, there's another big one, uh, your, your boy Louisville. Oh, Jeff Brom. Uh, Jeff Brom going to Louisville. So this is what everyone wants. Like I feel like there is something about college programs when the when the head coach went there, they I feel like he kind of sells the program differently. I I don't hate the Brent Key hire as much as you do. Because I mean, like, I don't think it's a Brent Key thing. Coach.
1: I don't think it's a Brent Key thing. I think it's a sign of where the program is health wise thing. That is what I'm saying. I think it's bigger than Brent Key.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. I don't like I don't know, I don't know how good of a coach they really could have gotten. I thought Willie Fritz. Bill, that uh, seemed if they had more like, money,
1: Bill O'Brien or Willie Fritz is their coach.
0: Those both seemed like good hires, like more more established hires than I kind of expected them yeah. to get. Brent Bill Key O'Brien's seemed more. A GT guy. If you would have asked, told me like who would there be their head coach September third or something, I would have leaned more towards a, a Brent Key type of. Cause who are they gonna get? They're Georgia Tech, you know what I mean? But yeah. but they if could they,
1: get more if those donors cared about football, is yeah. what I'm saying. They probably could, but you but there is a. They're take, Georgia Tech. Like the AJC was like did a poll on like who did they think? Uh, I remember it was like a week or two ago about like Brent Key should be or do you think Brent Key should be the full time coach at Georgia Tech? And like a lot of high school coaches clearly like Brent Key. This is not a Brent Key thing. I think, obviously, you saw the reaction when he was named head coach by the AD. Great reaction. Players like him. That's all great. What I am saying is, guess what? When Tennessee, when Georgia... Do you know, none of these programs are the least bit terrified of Brent Key in the current state of Georgia Tech Athletics Department. None. So when you're like, well... they are we talking about Tennessee, Georgia Tech? Yeah, like Tennessee, I'm saying if they're in a battle no they recruit the same guys is what i'm saying and they're like tennessee the majority of their players come from the state of georgia you know that right mm. every year the majority of tennessee players are recruited from the state of georgia
0: they're probably not recruiting the same level of players Tennessee. but what
1: though. i'm saying is like when they pull these coaches like yeah you can pull the Colquitt Co- Co- coach at sean calhoun or whoever and be like do you want brent key to get the job it's like yeah he's a nice guy we like him yeah, we like working with him <laughs> the players don't care if the co- their high school coach likes this, no, they're gonna like they're following NIL. They're following if they're gonna play right away in a big conference. Players know that the SEC is the number one conference in the country and the closest thing to the NFL. Like that, they know the Big Ten, and the SEC are where the dollars are and that sort of thing. They know that. So Georgia Tech can hire like the the fan favorite or coach favorite in high school football in Georgia or whatever, but like Tennessee is still gonna beat the crap out of them recruiting. Georgia's obviously gonna steamroll Georgia Tech in recruiting um north carolina now with mac brown like they've south got carolina south carolina too. clemson you alabama and auburn they're all going in the state of georgia
0: well once you start talking about those like they're not recruiting the same level of player as. as but there's only so many guys techies. and if like you the can't kentucky's, win your state you're screwed the kentuckys and the south carolinas and even like tennessee and auburn like they're they're recruiting some of those same players like Clemson and Alabama and Georgia it's like they're not even competing over the same players as Georgia Tech is like it's just yeah. not even. and that's honestly one of the issues I had with Brent Key's press conference is it's like this isn't Michigan Ohio State like yeah, yeah you take the job oh we're gonna beat those sons of bitches in Ann Arbor or whatever you say like, or they don't even, they probably didn't say This
1: Eastern Michigan.
0: Like Georgia Tech, it's like, don't even talk about Georgia right now, bro. Like, we just want to be like a competitive football program again. Don't, don't even, don't even associate us with, with Georgia yet. Like I, uh, that was the funniest part to me. Uh, it's just like him bringing up Georgia. Like I respect him. He played, I think from 97 to 2000. He, he beat Georgia three times. It was a different in, in sport then. Senior. It was a
1: different time. You're not catching Kirby. Like, none of that's happening. Georgia has a stranglehold on this state. It is over. Georgia Tech going this route. Here's what they should have done. Jamie Chadwell, what does it take to get this offense? You, Jeff Monken at Army, should have been call number two if Jamie Chadwell's going to Liberty. We're going back to the triple option. Do you know who's the fourth winningest coach in Georgia Tech football history? Fourth. Paul Johnson. Paul Johnson. He, Fourth, won I would a, thought he was
0: higher. Honestly.
1: Yeah. Well, the other three, one of them's named the Bobby Dodd stadium, like you go oh, up and down the list, probably
0: back in the day. Yeah.
1: You go back through the list. Like Paul Johnson won a bunch of games. Georgia tech has to pivot to the air raid or the triple option full time. You are a, full, you are Washington state at this point. You need to think like Washington state operate like Washington state Stanford kept trying to do the pro style stuff. You can't do it anymore. You cannot get those kind of players to run that kind of scheme anymore georgia tech will never have the players ever again in this nil era and way of recruiting to go up head over head like just mac just go match up to match up pro style for pro style against georgias of the world the tendencies of the world whoever you're gonna get your ass kicked like you have to do something different you have to be the triple you have to be the air raid you have to do what jamie chadwell does with his offense that's why i was like jamie chadwell actually makes the most sense for tech like that's who i would hire and he has recruiting chops obviously in carolina but like you have to think of yourself as a sunbelt team for the rest of your time. You are a sunbelt team in an ACC conference. Like You have to think that way and because the resources aren't coming. And instead, they're like, we're going to just get ground and just we're going to go to battle for these recruiting kids in uh, Colquitt County and Valdosta, and we're going to go find them. We're going to go against Georgia and Alabama and Auburn. It's hey, like, no, you're
0: not. Jeff Collins, what am I trying to say, walked. He kind of crawled. So that the Georgia Tech program could run. No, he did. He first things first. He got him with Adidas. He got him those Adidas uniforms. They're no longer Russell Athletic. It's he huge set step the program forward. back. Paul Johnson huge le- step forward. No, okay. no. Now you can be recruited by Georgia Tech. Maybe they're not a good program, but they don't run the triple option. If I'm, a, if I legitimately think I can play in the NFL, I'm not considering a college that runs the triple option. Like it, it. It wasn't going to be pretty. It was just going to take so much to go from triple option to running a more modern offense, and you can hardly even say they are running a more modern offense because it was <laughs> it was so terrible under Jeff Collins. I'm not even sure what offense they're trying to run. Yeah, but they're not running a triple option anymore. And while they went it, to the Orange Bowl, I understand it hurt wins and losses in the short term, but long term, how long was you, Jeff Collins there? Like what? Three years? Four, like not, I think not very long. But I'm saying that's the short term, Jeff. If you if you kept Paul Johnson for another ten years, yeah, you're probably gonna have two or three more good seasons. Yeah, that's awesome. It is, but. If you can get a that no one wants to be good th- two three times every ten years. Hold on, like,
1: what was the bad year? Hold on, Paul Johnson went nine and four, ten and three, six and six, eight and five, seven and seven, seven and six. He had one three and nine year in twenty fifteen. He followed that up by going nine and three the following year. What are we talking about? The there was guys. a lot of
0: me- mediocre seasons there.
1: You would kill for that if you're tech now.
0: But it's he won nine, he, at
1: least nine games three I times.
0: Know. I know it's it's hard. He's such a hard person to evaluate because it did work a lot, but it's it made it such a joke of of a program that just no, couldn't recruit beat guys, anybody. What twice? He beat it. He beat Georgia what twice? Three times? Yeah, he beat Georgia twice. Yeah. Uh, wait, maybe you're right. It was three times. Yeah. And he beat Rick twice, and he beat Kirby uh, his first year. Yeah. But and so that's all. That's you're all valid points you're making, but. At the end of the day, the triple option is not where any like any self respecting four star recruit wants to go. So it's like you had he puts you in the league. No, Jonathan who did he played in the drafted. league?
1: Stephen Hill got drafted. And none of those none of the guys Samarius that got were,
0: none of those guys that got drafted were players that he recruited, though. Josh Nesbitt, like. Dwyer and Marius Thomas, they were all guys that were just trapped. They were, they were there <laughs> from the very start. And then once he started to get his players in, they just got worse and worse. No, like, they did it because they had that's... that pop-up year in 2014, yeah. but that was pretty much it. Like there was no, like there they was went nine and three after that. I'm just, I'm just saying, Georgia Tech football. When you ran a triple op- option offense, they were just a joke of a team. Like, it just,
1: are you a joke if you run the air raid and win a bunch?
0: Is Mississippi State a joke? No, because I think I think big time high school quarterbacks want to go somewhere where they can throw a big time. Why would you not want to
1: play in the triple? Because it
0: doesn't prepare you to, for the NFL. That's not the type of running you're ever going to do. In be an RPO doing.
1: league now, man, you're not running the RPO.
0: option like actual, just like running alongside the quarterback waiting <laughs> for a pitch. Like that's not that's not the offense you're running in the NFL. So, like I said, it, it, they had to take, like, multiple steps backward to hopefully go forward. It was, it was a weird Can't situation it. they were in with Paul Johnson because his offense did work. It would be, like, consistently <laughs> top five in the country in rushing yards. But – it, oh, it was just so terrible it was you just hated losing to
1: him you hated losing to the triple there's nothing more soul oh, well, crushing true, than losing but to I the don't, triple
0: i don't have any sort of like hostility towards paul johnson it's just like
1: it you have made hostility ge- towards the triple
0: it just made georgia tech just unable to recruit any offensive position like this isn't this isn't preparing a uh, an offensive lineman for the next level it's not preparing the quarterback it's not preparing the running back and it's damn sure he i'm not going to go there if i'm a wide receiver
1: in
0: and they didn't even have a tight end position so who cares? not getting them either don't need them you're I'm georgia just, tech yeah they, i don't what does that mean i don't even know you're
1: now a academic first nil loser school like you just gotta deal with like you got to think small. You got to think small <laughs> at Georgia Tech. Like, how do we w- find ways to win football games with a dearth of talent? Northwestern is facing this. And I, you Cambridge. saw
0: Brent Key go four and four with this awful talent oh, that they had God. there. To what do they start? Are they went four and four. What do they yeah. start? One in one in six. I, I'm struggling with that math there. No,
1: there's no way it's that. That's not like, many. One in three or something.
0: Mm. Way too many. Yeah, and I was <laughs> way like, off there.
1: You did a whole 17-game season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That,
0: what, what am I thinking? Well, uh, yeah, started 1-3, and ends up 4-4, four and four, beat a couple ranked teams or one ranked team. So, I don't know. Great. I just – he's a Georgia Tech guy. He oh has that going God. for him. I just
1: – I can't. I can't sign on for it. Terrible hire and uh, bad state of the future for Georgia, Georgia Tech.
0: I think it's only a terrible hire if – if the Willie Fritz negotiations truly were like almost a done deal, if, if, well, if one thing, if, if it was really like a stipulation, like kind of rumored that he wanted to coach in the AAC championship and they didn't want that, then it's an absolute, like, awful hire like what are you doing you're not gonna let this guy coach for one more week for potentially the next five years of your program like you're, you're really gonna let that like hold your program back like that would just be stupid And again
1: i don't want to misquote uh jeff so just listen to the the pod. i was paraphrasing what uh jeff was yeah. saying, but just go back and re listen to the jeff pod yesterday but
0: and yeah. and who knows what the dollars and cents were if like how far off they were but like yeah willie fritz i felt like that seemed like the type of, yeah, to get creative, like potentially go get the next up and coming coach that he could potentially be. And obviously he has some history in the state of Georgia, but, um, I don't know. I thought that would have been a, a big time hire, but I'm not, I'm not as, uh, as negative on the Brent key hire as you are.
1: That's why we call it overreactions in this spot. The, that
0: was a little bit overreaction. Yeah, you're basically talking about Georgia Tech being an independent
1: program. Yeah, like that that was the
0: definition of an overreaction.
1: Do you know it was a better program right now? <laughs> I have more faith in the health Liberty over at Georgia Tech. Like, who had ever thought that? Like,
0: yeah, there's several G5 schools that you would just say are healthier <laughs> college football programs than Georgia Tech is right now.
1: Matt Green, that was fun exercise.
0: Yeah, it's good stuff, man. I um, I'm sure there's there's more coaching coaching carousel continued to uh to go. Oh, and you guys lost the OC. Yeah. Where's where's he going? South Florida. South Florida. So how, how do uh how do Tennessee fans feel about that?
1: It's fine. Alex Golish. Yeah, he's that great. Right? Yeah, Alex Golish. He was great. Uh, I think he won assistant of the year uh, this week too. Uh, assistant coach of the year, but no, he's great. It'll be a loss, but um, it seems like they're not going to hire an outside OC and they're just going to promote from within um, in the OC front. Joey Halsey is still here. has been quarterback's coach and been uh Hypo guy for a really long time and um, might be the time. He's 36. Uh, Goalish is 38, so he's been with Hypo for a while and he might get promoted, but typle's offense. He's going to be very selective about who he, who he hires to replace, but Nico and everybody's fine. They just got a big 6-6 Tight end from uh, UC Davis, who started at Cal, who's just going to be a physical freak uh, for this group next year. and to coach tight ends, too. So the main thing is I think Tennessee's going to hire a tight ends coach to replace him. But um, the offense is still Heupel's offense, and uh, I'm not really not all that concerned about it. seems like this is going to be fine. The, Nathan Leacock moved up to a top 100 player on rivals, and Devin Hobbs moved into the top 60 on uh, the latest rivals. 2023 recruiting rankings so tennessee is now up to number eight in this class top 10 okay. i think they're number 10 on 247. it's a good class man talent everywhere big, balls big are time.
0: back the uh the gators just got a f- five-star uh commit as well yeah uh, in the 20 was it 2025
1: or is he 2024? 2024 2024
0: um, yeah dj long yeah so and then there's a, a couple other coaches we didn't we didn't touch on barry odom Going to ULV? What a
1: disaster! Why would you leave Arkansas for that job? Everyone gets <laughs> fired there within. The, Marcus Arroyo just got fired for what? Almost getting them to bowl eligibility. Like this program has been horrific forever. Why would basically, you take that job? Basically, forever. you're getting fired again in like two to three years. Just stay at with Stan Pittman.
0: Get that head coach money, man. Um, Trent Dilfer at UAB. Terrible hire. Really curious to see where that goes. Mm. Uh, UAB this is fun. Just I, I'm, like just a way real, more, I'm
1: just going scorched earth here. They Terrible They seem hire. like a way more established program than to go out and get a... Guy yeah, like also the players all wanted uh, Coach Vincent. Um, not really great when they're... They're just like, no, nah, right? we'll, we'll go our own way.
0: And then the school that is just like... The the New York Mets. Not New York <laughs> Mets. They're not nearly... That's. But they want to win the back page. That's what I'm trying to say. If you've heard of him they Mm. want you as the head coach the florida atlantic owls get Mm. lane kiffin get willie taggart now tom herman obviously lane kiffin that worked out really well but now tom herman going to fau like who knows
1: like do you know what that place is though it's like the retirement it's not even a retirement community it's like have you had a tough time yeah have you had a tough time in college football coaching are you ready to get away for a couple years enjoy some good Boca Raton weather, enjoy the beach, no expectations, just win eight or nine games a year and we're good. Come yeah, to Boca I had a, Raton.
0: I had, a, I had a friend from high school that, that moved to Boca and she like lived down there for a few years and she was just like terrible. Like she moved back up, <laughs> like just old people everywhere.
1: <laughs> just that's- Is it that's Naples? A, is it around Naples? I don't actually know where it is.
0: No, Boca's on the Atlantic coast. I, thought I Naples say, was too. you could be right. I'm not 100% sure on that, which I should know that too. I'm not going to get into it on the pod, but some of the listeners on the pod will know. I had an epic, an epic NCAA football dynasty. Oh, I didn't a know where university, this was going. A university named Naples uh-huh. uh, in Naples, Florida, <laughs> turned into a whole thing for like 20 years on NCAA football. So I feel like, yeah, because I mean, you can go into like 2025, you know, uh-huh. like, you can keep that thing going. Is this going. thing still going? No, I mean. I can you
1: pick it back up when NCAA the new football game comes out next year? Are you going to pick this up where you left off?
0: No, because that was PS2 days. Like that mm. was that was way back. Um, it was funny because my buddy, who's a huge Florida fan, kind of you can create a coach when you're in the Dynasty. You can like <laughs> create another coach, right? And so we created like a whole storyline that he was my OC, and then he got the head head job at Florida, and Florida was like our big rival. But yeah, it was it was it was good times, but. So I should, as a Naples, as a diehard Naples fan, I should, I should know where Naples is, but I honestly don't. (laughs) Well, there you go.
1: That's your homework for the next pod, Matt Figure out where Naples and Boca uh, Raton is.
0: I'm sure we can, uh, I know Boca is, it's near West Palm, I want to say. So that's like, that's definitely on the Atlantic side. Let's, uh, let's look up Naples, Florida on a map real quick. This is just (laughs) riveting radio, I'm sure. But I want to say they it's don't down, teach you like, south school. of, like, Tampa is what is my what my gut says. So, let me see. Yeah, Naples is on the Gulf side. Yeah, it's south of Fort Myers, actually. So, it's, like, it's way down there. Okay. Like, basically, it looks like kind of... It's like the last city before everything's just swamp hmm. down, like, the bottom of Florida. <laughs> so... The Everglades, you know, it is, that's, I'm not like talking shit about Florida. It it literally is like a national park. It's all swamp. But Mm. yeah, so Naples, that's Southeast or Southwest Florida. And Boca is, yeah, South, South, uh, Boca is like right between Miami and West Palm. (laughs) There you go. There's your geography lesson near Fort Lauderdale. There you go. I'm looking at a map.
1: I love it. This was great. Man, I did not think go. we would end it with a geography these, lesson.
0: These are the things. Yeah. So I don't know how we got on that. FAU. Yeah. yeah. Tom Herman. We'll see how it works out. But uh, yeah, we'll see what the, who the next who the next coaches are. And uh, if Stetson Bennett can, uh, can can pull out that Heisman Trophy. Honestly, if he had 28 touchdowns, I think he's 100% a lock for the Heisman Trophy. If he had 28 passing touchdowns. That'd give him 35 total touchdowns. I think that's, that's still one
1: less than Hindenhooker Hooker in more games.
0: But it's the it's the it's the narrative. There he's the quarterback on the number one team. He's he's a winner. Well, Hooker like I law, said, I think, two it's games. J- that's, no, that's, I think that's what if it comes it's no, I think if it's J T
1: Daniels, he wins it easily. If it's J T, he wins it easily.
0: Other than like if he has the same, I like, like theoretically, I understand what you're saying. But since he is a different type of player, he has the rushing elements. He's got the rushing yeah. touchdowns. But if if J T Daniels did do the same thing theoretically. I agree with you. as as a five star prospect, there would be no question. And there's there it's it's kind of interesting, honestly, when you hear people talk about Georgia. It's almost like, did you not watch what happened like last last postseason when you kind of had all these question marks? Like, yeah, you know, but they if they get into a shootout, you know, can they really when they win that kind of game? It's like, what on earth makes you think you're gonna get into a shootout with this team? Like they they just held the most explosive offense in the country to 13 points this year. Like and they scored 50 on LSU in the, in the SEC championship. Like it, it feels like just lazy narratives of just like, and it's all because Stetson isn't a five-star. It's like, if, if, if like if JT Daniels was the quarterback with the exact same production, like I just don't think there would be these, these questions about, yeah, but George's passing offense, like what can they do through the air? Like, like you see them there. It's one of the better passing offenses in in the country this year.
1: Woo. Matt Green, fun times.
0: It was good times, and I um, I can't go too ho- too hard against Hendon Hooker because Hendon Hooker had an amazing season, so that's why I hate how so much of this debate has been Stetson versus
1: Hendon yeah. Hooker. Because and CJ Stroud not catching any strays. What are we doing? Exactly. Same the strays to CJ Stroud.
0: And if CJ Stroud, if they didn't make the playoff, is is he in? Is he in this? Uh, is he a finalist?
1: That's a good question. We'll never I know
0: i don't know but i think hmm. and you don't and like you said you don't it's hmm. hard to knock guys for the system they play in because that's the system they play in so that's the only thing we have to base them off like, i don't know what he could do in another system this is the one he plays in but i think after a while when you see every ohio state quarterback put up elite numbers and then none of them are good in the nfl obviously justin fields looks like the exception of that but it's, it's hard not to think, yeah, but is he really that elite or is it just the latest Ohio State quarterback?
1: For sure. Matt Green, always a pleasure, and I will talk to you in a couple days. Yes, sir. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or co worker, or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680, the fan, and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves!